Okay, so let's just go through uh, some of the halachas, a little bit rapid fire, so try to, if you have some questions, if it's like right on, spot on, feel free to ask, but otherwise try to try to save them, and uh, I'll definitely ans- answer afterwards. Uh, so let's just, jumping in, in absolutely no particular order, there's a uh, different talking about the, the nusach of the bracha that a person makes, the halak near Hanukkah or the halak near Shel Hanukkah. So in the, the Shulchan Aruch, it says, Ahalik Ner Hanukkah, and Al-Pisod, it's very makubal to not to say the word shell. The Mishnah Brewer recommends saying the word shell. So this really is one of those things that comes down to, if you have a particular family minute, you don't. If, uh, if you don't have one, then I recommend just going with the shell with the Mishnah Brewer. Uh, there's a question, Machlokas Fadim and Ashkenazim, whether or not everybody in the home lights or not. I'm trying to say the ones that aren't as obvious, something that you, know, you probably didn't, might not necessarily know and would be relevant. So there's a dispute whether or not uh, the Mahadran level, which is it means that the Sephardim believe that the Balabais lights just with extra candles per person in the home, but the Ashkenazim feel that every person should light. So there's a difference in dispute between gender when it comes to females, how that relates to it. So different in Hagen, but it's definitely pretty common um, to have uh, girls, single girls lighting as well. But the, the more difficult question becomes for married women. So the Gemara, the post can tell us that although there's mahajan l'chol achad v'achad, but that doesn't apply to a husband and wife. There's not necessarily hither for a wife to light, and the svar that the post can give is ishto kegufa. So since ishto kegufa, it's not considered a hither necessarily for a wife to light. So even if you have something like that, it's not considered necessarily a preference. However, in return, there's nothing wrong necessarily with the woman who wants to light, and if she would like to, then it's perfectly acceptable. But the post can recommend doing an interesting thing. It's actually better that she light first. Better she light first because it's possible that the Ishtokagufa goes so far that even like the Dash of the is something which is uh, not clear if it should be used and relied upon. So therefore, practically speaking, if a married woman would like to light, that's perfectly fine. She can do it. She can make the brachos. But she should, in fact, go ahead and light first. There's a question about after you start making the brachos, when exactly do you start the lighting process. So like, for example, tonight, we have three brachos, and and all the rest of the nights we're only going to have and but when exactly do you go light? So obviously, the is done before you start lighting. Sometimes you'll see, more commonly, some certain people have such a practice where they'll say lahadlik, and then right away they start lighting and then they're making the other brachos. So that's not, it's not that it's made up, but unless you know specifically, specifically that that's your family practice, that's not recommended by the Mishnah Brewer bottom line. The Mishnah Brewer's recommendation is to make all of the brachos, and after all the brachos are said, then a person should start the Maizahad Laka. Then there are two, right. Then there are two practices which are, so if you have a specific family minog that you must start after the hadlik, I'm not saying don't do that, but if you're not sure, it's, you know, a power of it, so then you should, you should follow the Mishabura's idea of doing all the brachos and only then, uh, starting to light. The Mishabura brings two different practices in terms of when a person should recite the paragraph of Haneros Halolo. Haneros Halolo is customarily recited after the brachos. So the question is, does a person light all of the candles and then say, and then say Haneros Halolo? Or actually, is Haneros, or actually, is, is Haneros Halolo supposed to be said while someone is lighting? While someone is lighting means the first candle should be lit. Meaning you shouldn't chas v'shalom be saying, I say chas v'shalom because it makes everything you said like a little bit of a half second of brachal of atala. The one thing you don't want to do is start near salala before the first candle is lit. You have to make sure that you make the brachos and then right away you're getting the first candle lit. That's pretty important. But the question is, after one candle is lit, it's more relevant, not so much for tonight, but uh, even tonight a little bit for the shamish, but more so in the nights to come, should Hanir Salalu be started right after the first candle is lit and then you simply light and recite at the same time. You know, multitask. It's not that hard. 
Um, or should a person finish all the candles and only then say Hanar Salalu? So there is not necessarily a right or a wrong. It's simply different practices. And Mishnah Gura seems to condone both. They both seem valid. So again, just a quick summary. You definitely want to make sure you're saying Mahalik before you start saying a bracha. The bracha before you start lighting the bracha has to be before. If you have a specific practice that you say the Shasanisim Shachyonu as you are lighting, go with it. But if you're not sure, if you're part about it, then make all of the brachas before you start lighting the first candle. Make sure you light one candle. After the, 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 the candle is taken lit, then you can either start uh, the, the paragraph of Hanayr Salalu right away and multitask and light and say Hanayr Salalu together with the lighting of the other candles. Or if easier, you can just light all the candles and then say Shasunisa. The practice is that we have is that a person on their, it's got a little complicated in the directions. When you're facing your menorah, so candle number one should be all the way to your right. So tonight, the candle that you're lighting should be all the way to your right. And then tomorrow night, when you're lighting a second candle, the newest candle is always added to the left. So that makes sense. Tonight, you're going to have all the way to your right. And then in every new day, the new candle will be added from the left. And the first one that you light is always the new day's candle. In other words, you're making a brachas, and then you're lighting what's the first one that you light? The one that's to all the furthest to your left. So candle number one tonight, there's only one candle, it's all the way to your right. Tomorrow night, you're going to have two candles. This, the one that's further to the left, that candle, that's the new candle for day two. The one that's, uh, the, that we already lit already, okay, it's a chazara, just reviewing what we've already done, that's the one that is lit, um, that is lit second. Okay, now there, uh, there, there comes a big question about what is the right time to light. So I'll try to go over the shittas a little quickly here. Um, the, the sheet does vary. Let me just explain. In, in extenuating circumstances for a person, you know, as a, as a plane to catch or something like that, a person can look up the zmanim, my zmanim from Plaga Mincha, the last hour and a quarter of the day. Halachically, a person could make uh, candle lighting and be yotze and even make brachos from that point on. You know, it's an absolutely fascinating point that that is the halacha, but that is the halacha. Okay, it's like the, one of those riddles you always want to remember. How can a person light and be yotze Hanukkah nearest when it's not Hanukkah? Right, you hear that? Have a riddle in your back pocket. The answer is right now. Literally, if someone had a plane, a plane to catch tonight, so that what would the din be? The din would be that they'd be, make, be home right now, be, be lighting the candles after Plaga Mincha, even though it's not the date of Hanukkah. It's a fascinating riddle. But, another example, yeah, but here it's, it's not even Hanukkah. Was it? Yeah, yeah. So, it's an interesting halacha, a person could always rely on it. But what is the ideal time? So, the, the opinions vary. The Ramam's opinion, which seems to be rejected by most of the Rishonim, is that a person lights with the, with the sun setting, what you would call sunset by the Google of the sunset. That seems to be the Ramam's opinion. But uh, the opinions range. I'll just tell you pretty much what they are. There's, a, there's an opinion that says 10 minutes. And Moshe Feinstein seemed to like 9, 10 minutes after the sun sets. Rabbi Aaron felt that the best thing is to thread the needle somewhere between 22 to 25 minutes after the sun sets. But, you know, there are different opinions. The Shulchan Aruch doesn't, doesn't go with that. The Shulchan Aruch really goes with the Tzesek Ochavim. And even within that, with the stars coming out, there's so many different varying opinions. If it meant 50 minutes, if it means 60 minutes, if it means 72 minutes. So the bottom line is that's your range. You're, you're never, you're never going to get it perfect. Rabbi Aaron Shita of having, you know, that 20 to 25, if you don't know, if your family doesn't have a specific practice, if you don't come from, you know, one way or the other, very Litvish blood, very Hasidic blood, or, or whatever, maybe whatever. if your father just came home late, you know, whenever the office was, and we'll get to that in a second, he came home, so you don't even, like, know what your family minog is. So I recommend doing the 20, 22 to 25. That's, that's probably threading the needle. That's Rabbi Aaron Shita. That's most... Yeah, after what you would Google today in the sunset, that's what it would mean. That would be the most Google. Now, the Mr. Bura Paskins, that if a person has a Meyer of Minya, it's not so relevant to us. We dive in quickly and just walk home right after Shkia, so I think you'll be home by then. But the, the Mishnah Bura Paskins, that if a person has a Meyer of Minya where they normally dive in, 
So then actually the halacha is tadr v'shein tadr tadr kodem, which means that you actually push off the ideal time for lighting the menorah a little bit and you dab and mire first, which is an interesting, interesting sock, but that's what the Mishnah Bura said. Um, so that's, you know, those are the, the, ra- the range of opinions. Uh, again, in extenuating circumstances, it can be the last hour and a quarter of the day from Plagam and Hanan. After that, if you're looking for the ideal time, it should be either nine or ten minutes after the sunset, at 22 or 25, I think is the best. And then you, the more Hasidic you get, you know, the later you get. Now, all of this is considered the ideal time. But today, especially today, where we light inside here in Golos, so the post can tell us that today we're not so, we're not so makbut on this man. And there's a couple points. Number one is that we're lighting inside. Number two is that the traffic outside goes as much later than it was in the times of Chazal. So those are a combination of two different variables. But because of those points, the bottom line is, is that today it's, it's not considered, you know, like a tremendous, tremendous bediyeva to light, to light later. If a person is able to, and they're around, and they have the possibility, and of course they should find, you know, these times to try to find when you could. It's Sunday night, you should be lighting you know, what's, why not? But if it's a thing where a person has work, or even, you know, the post more modern post can talk about if a person has a Seder in Limud, who says a person should give up on that and interrupt their Seder? It's not so simple that these things should be done. Definitely something like work or something like that. A person is not obligated to run home from work necessarily to make sure that they chop this man. It's not the halach at all. When a person comes home, it shouldn't delay. A person should not delay. When you come home, that's considered very much an ideal thing. Now, it comes very relevant. The halacha is that a person is not supposed to eat before they fulfill the mitzvah of Nech Hanukkah. So it comes very relevant. Let's say you're in the office, and as soon as the Zman comes, whatever it is, it's 4.45, so now you have a question about whether you can eat before you get home. So and when an investment bank can coming home at 11 p.m., and they're waiting till then, and they want to have dinner in the office, so it gets a little questionable. But just to understand, the halacha is only because we're concerned you're going to forget of it to perform the mitzvah. It's not like an isra of achila. So there's a ways around it. If a person sets an alarm on their phone, if a person tells somebody else to call them, to remind them that they did that, then they would be allowed to eat. It's not like, a, you know, you'd have a complete isser, but a person shouldn't, shouldn't be negligent in that. A person should be careful to try to make sure that they are performing that, that at halacha with shomer or setting an alarm, something like that. Um, now, the candles, back in the times of uh, Chazal, again, where they were lighting right when outside and people were walking, that was the whole point. So it says, you know, the tichla regum and ashuk, the post can tell us that the, the candles should, should, there should be enough oil that the candles stay lit for a half an hour. So it's interesting that we still apply that today to our day and age, regardless of when you're lighting. It's like a really interesting thing. In other words, regardless of whether you're lighting 10 minutes after Shkia, the 25 minutes after Shkia, it's 8, 11 p.m., we always work with that, with the uniform sort of shear that it's meant to stay lit for half an hour. And, you know, if a person didn't put in, that's a big problem if a person didn't put in the, the oil that's, that, that was enough to light for half an hour. But, but, but what's interesting is that if it goes out, if you did put in the right amount of oil and for some reason, by accident or by fluke, it went out, that you've, you fulfilled your mitzvah. A person shouldn't be nervous that it has to necessarily stay lit for half an hour. We paskin cuffs off, the candles go out in Zakakla. A person is technically not obligated to relight them. A person could, and it's nice, very nice to, but a person shouldn't be nervous or something like that, that they didn't fulfill the mitzvah. Is even questionable if, let's say, you, you forgot your brachos and you already lit, and it's within a half an hour. It's questionable if you could even make the bracha. Now, really, as soon as you lit, and there, there was an, as long as you put it, there was enough oil in the time that you did the ma'asad laka, so you really did the mitzvah. You know, this, it's even. A, I'm just trying to play with your minds a little bit. I know it's not so practical, but who said as soon as you light, as long as there was enough of oil that was there to last half an hour, who said you can't blow out the candles and walk out the door? Is there anything wrong with doing that? Who said? Who said there's anything wrong? We pass in kasa in so you could think about that question. It's a very interesting question. But there's another question which is, you know, debated. Is it a hider to put in more oil? Is that considered an enhancement, a beautification of the mitzvah? There should be more prasimini so more people can see. It's debatable points. But the bottom line is, is we usually work with those half an hour. 
Now, within that half an hour, what, if you don't say anything, the assumption is that any of the oil and the, and the wicks, which a person is using for the mitzvah, is dedicated for the mitzvah and are therefore forbidden in benefit. So it's recommended, this is very relevant to know, going into tonight, that, uh, and what, that even all the things that you're going to use, sometimes people could think, I'm giving it away for the mitzvah. And Magan Avram says, the person should stipulate, I am not, anything that's beyond the needs of the mitzvah, I am not giving away for the mitzvah. And that will get you out of a lot of scenarios with leftover oils and leftover wicks and not knowing what to do with it. A person should make that stipulation before they start with the mitzvah, that I'm not necessarily giving over to the mitzvah anything more than I need to. Make that very clear from the outset. So you don't run into problems with, you know, leftover oils and bottles and cups and wicks and what you can do with it. If you simply make that tonight, tonight, and you follow that tonight, so then after Hanukkah, you're good to go. Anything left in the bottle and stuff and things like that. Because as long as the mitzvah's been done, so then, then, you, would, um, then you would be good. You'd be good to go. Okay. Um, on Friday afternoon... So there's a big question about what to do, debate in the Rishonim, but we paskin that a person is meant to light the Hanukkah candles first on Friday afternoon. An interesting point, okay? So it's not, got to make sure everything's a little bit earlier this Friday. Make sure that you get the Hanukkah candles first. There's an interesting question which comes up about davening mincha on Friday after you've already lit the... Uh, after you've already lit the Hanukkah nears. Because on Friday, you were forced to light, relying on this idea of what you were mentioning, that we're lighting after Plag on Friday. So we're forced to kind of like acknowledge that we're lighting for the next day ahead of time. So is a person able to go ahead and daven mincha, which is for the Friday, the Yom Chol, after they've already lit candles? So the premium God debates this, and he recommends that it's actually better if a person could to daven mincha before you light candles. However, the, the post came, many people debate whether the Prima Gautam is right or wrong. So a person shouldn't give up on tefillah b'tzibor. In other words, it's better, definitely better to daven if you have the choice, have the choice of davening with the minion after you've lit the candles or, or daven b'yechidus, uh, then it would be better to light the candles and daven with the minion. Hopefully, Mertz Hashem will make a minion at 12.30 on Friday to give people the option. But if a person wasn't able to make it and then they want to know what to do, so then it's very acceptable on Friday afternoon to light the candles. Uh, first light your Hanukkah neras, then light your Shabbos candles, and then go ahead and, um, and have them davening mincha early. All right, I'm, again, really no, no particular order here. I'm just jotting down some random notes, so just continuing where we're up to. And during Hanukkah, a person should say Allah Nisim during Shemona Esrei and during Benching. However, the halacha is in both of these cases, if a person forgets, a person forgets to say Allah Nisim, you don't have to repeat. So in Davening, you know, you know you didn't say Allah Nisim, you don't have to. It's a big question in terms of the girsa in the Shemona Esrei. If a person should say Allah Nisim or just Allah Nisim, both, both seem to be acceptable, but it seems to be a little bit more correct to put the vav with the, with the Allah Nisim. Very relevant to Manhattan, to the city, is about where should a person light inside of their apartment. So especially if a person lives up high, the Kamara says that, that if you put something above 20 amas, you're, you know, you're not Yotze, you don't have anything to seize it. But let's just go clear, let's just understand. I think it's, sometimes the information goes in wrong and then mistakes happen. So let's just present what, the, what, what, what is said. In the Gemara's time, they used the light outside. So it was the ichor of the lighting was made for the people who were passing by. So therefore, you know, the whole point is that people are noticing it. Um, and there, there, the Gemara mentions that if a person is on ground level, so you light outside. If a person doesn't have ground level, they only live in an aliyah, on a second story, so you put it in the window, so that people, by the way, the people passing by the window will be able to see. However, it comes along the postcom and they say to now that today, you know, we light inside. Now we don't really have to care about that. The ichor when we light inside is for the Pirsa Manes, we're publicizing the miracle for the people in the home. Meaning the shift of the, of the mitzvah, there's a shift in the emphasis of the mitzvah. When the ichor din was in times of Chazal and people should see as they're walking by, so there there's the halacha, you light outside. And if you're in upper story, then the, if you're in the second story, the point is better make sure to put it in the window. Because the emphasis in the time of the Gemara was the people walking outside. But when Chazal are switching it, the Bismana Sakana in the time of the Gullus, where we light inside, so the emphasis, the 
shift in the mitzvah occurs, then now actually the Iker person manis is for the home. That has to go in. That has to go in very clearly. The Iker point of lighting today is the person in your home. That has to be absolutely clear. And Magadavram comes along and he says, if you could also put it in the window. Meaning, if you're not going to jeopardize any of the pirsum in your home, it's the same whether it's on your dining room table or in the window in the dining room. And if I put it in the window, people would also see. So then, why not put it in the window as well? But if there's even one ounce of jeopardizing how much pirsum anis there is before the people in my home, a person should never go to the window and say, because I have to light the Hanukkah menorah in the window. So this is one of the big mistakes I think people implement when they're thinking about Manhattan. They start thinking about how many people outside. And like, for example, you should never be lighting in a bedroom window. It's like a, it's a very strange thing to do. People say, yeah, we've got a bedroom window. Then my neighbor sometimes, just put it on the table and be done. The ikr is always for the pirzamanes, for the people in the home. Especially, especially when you're above 20 almost. If you have another thing, it's questionable for other reasons. But the bottom line is, Get in your home and think about where the main pirsamanes will occur if I light inside the home. If I happen to be in a location where I'll have that same level, whether it's, you know, in a dining room, whether it's on the windowsill or, or the table, so then you can put it in the window and that would be preferable because of that Magadavram perhaps. But, but you should never ever think about, um, about jeopardizing the amount of pirsamanes that's going to take place, pirsamanes in the, in the home to try to go for the, uh, for the window. All right. Um, let's talk about the office sort of lightings or other scenarios. So there's a, there's a minog that it says, a very interesting minog, that we light the menorah in shul. It's very, very almost like a bizarre sort of minog that we light the menorah in shul. Different reasons are mentioned. One of them is because people used to sleep in the shul. People used to be there. Sometimes other people don't have homes. Uh, and then the other reason, as mentioned, is whenever there's a sort of communal Whenever there's an idea to publicize a miracle, there should be a communal aspect on it as well. So between all of those reasons that are brought in the base Yosef, the bottom line is, we have a minhag to light in shul. It's mentioned between mincha ma'ariv to light. And uh, an idea between mincha ma'ariv is like a very lumdish idea that the Reb Chaim explained that the Pshad is a din of a minion. It's not circumstantially that there are 10 Jews that are in the moon, that are in the room. The din of the minion will be there while the candles are lit. So like very, very interesting lumdus. But al-Kopanim, that is the halacha. And even the brachos are recited. You have all three brachos that are recited on the minog of lighting, lighting in the shul. But the question is, what about other communal forms where it's not necessarily a din minion? You know, whatever, office parties or things like that in the street, v'chule, v'chule. So the bottom line is, is that usually we say it's better not to make a bracha. It's better not to make a bracha at all in these circumstances. If you want to light, you can light. There's nothing wrong, but it's definitely you want to get out of it. If you're asked by your office, make and it's the assumption is that you're going to be saying the blessings and that's part of the ceremony so we can talk privately about that about how what, what potentially could be done but definitely the preference in all these scenarios is that no bracha should be recited unless it is specifically going to be in the shul all right um when you're lighting so there's anything you know you can use wax candles you can yote there's no issue with that but but it is mentioned that there's a hither of using olive oil and the reason is because that we tried to uh, replicate the, the menorah that was in the base of Mikdash, which was lit in, which was lit b'shemen, uh, with shemen zayis zah. It's very questionable whether or not the electric menorahs, I'm sure you've heard about this controversy, if an electric menorah is kosher or not, uh, different elements on it. Certainly you need an incandescent bulb. Many of the posts can felt that the incandescence is the only thing that's really ish. And besides for that, maybe battery-powered incandescent is a strong preference because or else it's not considered that all the fuel was there at the time that you were doing it. If it's not battery-controlled, so then it's just more coming in later. But if you have a battery-controlled incandescent bulb, which, for example, in Hilchel's lighting of candles of Shabbos, everybody agrees that you can make up, I mean, everybody, you're in great company to make a bracha on such a thing, but on a Hanukkah, it's still unclear if it's like the 
the, the base on Mikdash menorah, and therefore there are those who were against it. So bottom line is, we, we assume that you don't, we do not make a bracha necessarily on an electric menorah, although, you know, in certain circumstances, you, may, you might want to do it. So for example, it's spoken about, like let's say a person is on an airplane, so if you're on an airplane, what exactly are you going to do? What are you going to try to do? So there might be a slight sort of preference on an airplane to have uh, an electric menorah. But that really brings us to the next point, which I want to shift pretty quickly towards, which is what does a person do on Hanukkah when she's traveling? I got so many texts about this today. She's just made one voice note to send out. But no, Rach Hashem, wants to do the right thing. So let's, let's go over the Indian about what to do. So there's an emphasis on their issue, Beso. In fact, there's a famous question that's debated Moshe, or Chashulcha, and very fundamentally, if a homeless person should light the menorah, is there a mitzvah for a homeless person to light a menorah? One of the rides I just brought you in the shul, one of the reasons you light it for the people who don't have a home. So does that mean because they're sleeping in the shul? That means pshat is because it's really a chovas hagov that they themselves should be lighting the menorah. Interesting question, debated upon heavily in the postkip whether or not uh, it's something that you do with or without a home. But in the most, the consensus of say the postkip is that it is very much related to the home. So fundamentally, we look at someone who is homeless, leyaleno, as someone who is potter from the mitzvah, someone who is traveling, someone who does not have a home. And I don't know when I mean home, even just a home for that day, like being on an airplane. So the post came to, spoke about, you know, the old trains that used to have like a little cabin, like you rented, like it was like your little, your little suite for the ride. So that became your home. But they say today it's not like that. So meaning if you, if you buy a purchase, a, uh, a plane ticket and you're sitting in your little seat, that's not considered your home. And therefore it's really, you know, your person shouldn't be making a bracha, even if, even if the, the, the electric can, the electric menorahs would be good, we assume that that's not the, the, the setting that a bracha should be made. So let's go over a couple of things then, but are very, very relevant to traveling. So number one is that a person can be yotzeh from any family member. The truth is really any shliach who's lighting for them in their home. So the Gemara discusses how there was an Amorah who used to have his wife who would light for him. He would be away in the yeshiva, he'd be traveling, and his wife would light for him in the right mind. So that's 100%, that's ideal, that's great. You can have someone who's a member of your household, the B'nai doesn't have to be the wife, it could be another member of the house. The post can even say it could be a random shliach. You can appoint somebody to go to your home. Again, it has to be a safe scenario of a chule, but someone can go to your home and light for you, which is, which is uh, it's a little bit astounding, but people are surprised by that. But that is the halacha. You can have a shliach fulfilled for you in your home, certainly from the B'nai Abayis, even if you don't, you know, appoint them as a, uh, I'm being mamani, you a shliach, it still works, it's still valid, you could have a spouse or something like that. In fact, you know, the postgame debate, it's an interesting thing. Let's say a person's at the office, right? So his wife's at home and he's at the office. So who's to say that, that everybody should be waiting for the husband to come home and lighting at 8.30? Maybe, the, you know, if the wife is home and it's, and it's 4, 4.45, she should be lighting, be mostly the man in the right time. We have nice, so we're lenient, you know, we were... Well, I, that the shalom bias is a very, you know, an important thing, and it could be the same thing. You know, let's say a wife's coming home later, and a husband's home. Maybe you should wait for his wife. You know, to today that the, the ismanim that we spoke about are not so important. They're less emphasized as it was in the times of the Gemara when we were, everything was about the people passing by. So there's enough to rely on in those circumstances that you could wait for your spouse. But if a person is traveling, so then you know that's the halacha. You just you kind of just assume everyone's good. So let's say, just pick an example. Someone has a 5 p.m. flight to Israel. On Thursday night, uh, Wednesday night, and they're trying to figure out, hey, what do I do? What am I going to do? Back, forth. The answer is very simple. You do one very simple thing. You have someone in your house, he lights for you, and you're good to go. Okay, that's always the, the simple thing. Now, I didn't mention this before, but as we spoke about, the, the Iker person, my that we pass in today in our day and age is for the people of the home. So the question becomes, what if, what if no one else is there? What if it's only you? So, 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 so there's different perspectives on this, a lot of different perspectives. So if you're lighting in a time or place where other people will see it, okay, so then very good. You could rely on that for sure, make a bracha. But let's say you come home, you were at a wedding, and of course, 
after listening to this for two minutes, you're not, you're never going to light at a wedding. We'll get into that a little bit more in a few minutes. But you're not going to light at the wedding. That's, that's not good enough. So you come home and it's 1 a.m. It was a very light wedding. You got home, you parked the car. Finally, you come home, it's 1 a.m. And there are people who are sleeping. Yeah, you, maybe you have a roommate or something. It's 1 a.m. So what do you do? So this is the horror scenario. So it's very interesting. Mishnah Brewer, Moshe, a lot of hack about what to do. So the bottom line is that Mishnah Brewer really recommends waking people up. And Ramosha says you don't have to. And that's what I think what, what people do. We assume that it's good enough just you yourself. As Ramosha teaches up, we shouldn't overemphasize the Pirsa Manes. It's not Pshat, you can't do the mitzvah unless someone else is going to be there besides you. It's an additive. It's an extra element to the mitzvah. And it's an important extra element, added element. It's, it, it's defining in a certain way of what we're doing. But that doesn't mean to say that if I'm missing another Pirsa Manes without me, that I'm unable to do it. So practically, Allah you don't have to go wake up anybody. You can just light yourself. Rely, you're in good company, you make the bracha, you're right with that, and everything, everything is fine, is fine with doing that. All right. Oh, so let's mention, what, this is the hardest one, is, is, is when a person is in multiple locations. So, 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 so there's a big question in general, what defines a home, right? If I eat one place and I'm sleeping in another place, what, you know, how do, we, how do I look at that? If I have two homes, I eat, it's just not like dinner parties, nothing complicated yet, just like super simple. Person has one home where they eat and one home where they sleep, so what's their home? So the halacha is that we pause and a person's acre home is actually where they eat. As surprising as that is. So you might say, okay, it's not really relevant to me. My acre home is my eat. What does that mean? Who has that, like in our days? But I'll give you an example. Let's say a person, you're going to uh, Simcha, maybe a Shabbos, Hanukkah, you're going to parents, you're going to your in-laws, and you're going to be eating in one place, maybe eating with your, with, with just a more common example. You're eating with your parents, your in-laws, but they don't have room for you, so they're putting you up at a neighbor to sleep. So in that scenario, the halacha is really that you should be lighting um, where you're going to be eating. Okay, so that's, a, that's an interesting halacha to keep in mind. You go bust where a person is eating independently. Objectively, if I could either light where I'm eating or I'm sleeping, objectively, then there is such a halacha. But be very unique to the example I just gave, where a person is going to be, he has a house for eating and a house for sleeping in that scenario. But in most of our cases, let's just say somebody tonight is going to a, running out of Maariv, he's going to a nice dinner party, and he's going to be there, and he's going to come home at 8, 9 p.m., and he's going to be back in his regular home. So here, it's not like that at all. And the Taz explains to us a very important Yisoyed. This is a very important Taz in the Mishnah Bura Paskin's like. The whole Yisoyed that my Iker house is where I'm eating, over where I'm sleeping, that's all because like, they're, they're on equal level. But if I have my home, that's my home, and I just happen to be going by to a dinner party by somebody's house, I can't say, hey, this is my home right now, and uh, therefore I can be justified to light here. So the Mishnah Bura Paskin's like this Taz. So therefore, on a practical level, if a person is going to a dinner party and they're going to return later to their own home, then it's recommended that they're not yaitse, that they don't do the mitzvah and light with the bracha in a place where they're going to be eating dinner, but rather they should wait and do the mitzvah where they're going to be sleeping. So that makes all sorts of complicated questions. And this is the ones I was telling you about, like, this is the most common text I get today, because that's the hard one now. Well, practically, what am I supposed to do? My in-laws invite me for dinner. I'm expected to come. I'm expected to be part of it. But I, now I'm learning that I'm not really supposed to be yaitse with that. So how does that work? And so let me tell you two important things I think that you should work with for Hanukkah. Two very, very important points. Number one is, it's not so bad not to be Yetzi. What's the big deal? Not to be Yetzi. As we said, the Iker's man today could be later as well. So what's so bad? What's so bad about it? You have to make sure you want to eat. You have to make sure you have your shamer. You better have that alarm on your phone that's reminding you. Fine, say that. But as long as you have that in mind, so you go, you go to the dinner party, you're not Yetzi. That's the way it is. Fine. So you missed a little bit. reason like demon limits was a little bit. Say that. In this kefela, make sure everything is fine. That's definitely one thing. But then there's a tremendous chiddush that Rabbi Shmuel Kamenetsky has made very, very uh, popular now. 
Shmuel Kamenetsky said the following Chiddush. I don't know if you want to rely on this, but I'll tell you what he holds. Shmuel holds that the whole Indian of the Taz, that when a person has a home, then they can't be Yotze at a dinner party, is only when they're in the same city. But if they're not in the same city, so in other words, you're at a dinner party in another city, even though you're going to be returning home to your home that night, you're where you are at the dinner party right then is your home. It's a different city. It's an Akira. It's uprooting. The whole idea of the Taz is, you know, your neighbor down the block invites you, right? So then, no, that's not your home right now. You're just going to be going back to your home very soon. But if it's in a different city, then he's a kid from certain words, interesting idea, then you could be. So bottom line is, if you ever see so, you're in a bad scenario, or you see somebody lighting at a dinner party, there's that, there is what to rely on. The idea is, as long as at a bit of a distance, it's not really where your home is, you have to be Iker where you are in order to go back home, so then there's more to that. That being said, which is important. So again, two solutions. I say practically, of all things considered equal, why not wait till you get home, make the shomer, make the alarm, you could still eat a little bit where you are, that's not an issue. But if there isn't, if that's not working, everybody wants you to make the bracha, this and that, so it's what to rely on. Now, waiting at a wedding though, that's just a mistake because that's not considered a bias for anybody. I don't know if that's considered bachlal a bias. In other words, we can make the argument that you can go to someone's house and be invited for dinner and you're part of that bias now. We can understand that and we could say the ta'az and then, you're at a random wedding, doesn't seem good. Maybe there should be a Hanukkah near slip by a wedding like the minog and shul. Say there, as we said, we don't make a bracha on that unless it's in the context of the shul. The person shouldn't go and say, oh, Hanukkah, I have a wedding, I'll just light, I'll just light there. This being said, what happens, and this is the hard one, maybe you're going away for Shabbos, so you became a guest by somebody for Shabbos, and now right away, Motzai Shabbos, it comes to Zman. So here, everything is very different. If you were a guest somewhere by Shabbos, and you are there after Shabbos ends, then as long as you're going to be staying there for a little bit of time, maybe hopping a little bit of a Malava Malka, having a coffee and a donut, then a Vada you light where you are then, even though you're going to go back to your house. Because you're continuing that kvias of being in that home at that point. Does that make sense? So if I'm going tonight to a dinner party, I'm going home. So then really we're saying fundamentally you should be lighting when you go home. You should not light by the dinner party. Maybe if it's not in the same city, there's what to rely on. Okay. But if I was in a certain place for Shabbos and I was part of that house and that's my household, just it happens to me I'm going to be returning home later that night, then of course a person really should be lighting. And certainly if the person they are visiting is something like a parent. There, there's a little bit of another variable which makes everything a little bit more complicated complicated is that even older children when they go back to their parents it's kind of like easier for them to get into the B'nai bias uh, together with their parents I got like one of the hard ones today is that someone said I'm not going stop trying I'm going for dinner to my parents tonight I'm going for the day it's a Sunday I'm going to five towns for the day we're going for the day you left at 10 a.m. he's going to the five towns of the day we're going to eat dinner after dinner nine o'clock we're going to turn we're going to turn around that's a really hard one there, the argument can be made, even if we don't follow Rabbi Shmuel, we can still say that there you really do become like that part of the family and you're able to like where they're having dinner. But I mean specifically, you know, you're just there for the dinner. That's where it's a little bit hard. Okay? All right. Let me just mention one last halacha. So there's a big question about what to do on Motzali Shabbos, whether or not Havdalah comes first or the Nehru's come first. So there's different opinions about it, different svaras, lakan, lakan. The bottom line is, after all is said and done, it's one of those things where the Mishnah is not machriya. It's a fascinating thing. Jews do different things. It's one of those things you do in the home. So, you know, it comes up as an interesting thing. You could definitely do whatever your family minog is. But if you do not, or I say you power, if you're not sure what in the world you do, I'd say the, the, the easier thing and the more accepted thing to do would be, would be to make Avdallah first. But again, if your minog is otherwise, it's definitely, definitely good standing. Okay, um, what else? Anything else? Okay, we really have to stop for here. But I've just mentioned one last thing. 
always from Rabbi Yaakov about the whole Indian of Hanukkah guilt. He was asked the presents, the this, the money. So he, he says, Rabbi Yaakov, is this Chukas HaGoyim? Is this Chukas HaGoyim? We're just copying what the Goyim do with their holiday season. So Rabbi Yaakov told him as follows. He said, I'm a thing. He was able to find a source. Rabbi Yaakov said that opposite. He says that he thinks that the Goyim copied us. That the Ikra thing from Hanukkah Geld started from the Jews. And the Indian from the Jews is that in the times of the, I think it's time, it's a beautiful thing going to Hanukkah, is that it says that in the Medrash that the, the Greeks, not only they said don't have Shabbos and Rosh Chodesh and Brismila, but they said everyone who has an ox should write on the horn of an ox that they don't believe in God. What's the horn of an ox? What is the horn of an ox? What is right on the horn of an ox? So the pshat is, is that if you Google this, you'll see it's true, that the very, very old, the original baby bottles were actually horns from oxen. That's what they were. They have like a narrow end, like a little narrow end. They used to put a flask in, and the baby used to like, like suck out from that narrow end, from the bottle, as if it was a bottle. And the whole Yisrael is that what the Greeks were so good is that they went after the next generation. As we know, the preservation of Judaism, that's all from the next generation, all from the kids. So what happened is, even when the Hashmonam won and they fought and they did a good job, but the next generation was not interested in learning. They had no desire to come back. They actually wanted the Greeks. They weren't so happy that the Greeks were defeated. So what they did, the real nays of Hanukkah to get the kids back into it is they used to bribe the kids. They used to give out the gelt. They give out Hanukkah gelt to all the kids. That's where it came from. Demei Hanukkah, Demei Hanukkah. Shabbat Yaakov holds that it's a very, like, it's a holy minog. It's a, it's a very, it's a very good thing. And if anything, the Goyim were copying us, not vice versa.